Hello, party people, and welcome to Law and Candor. This is our one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth season of exploring the legal technology revolution. And they said it wouldn't last. I am Bill. I am here. Well, I'd like to say as always, but there's been a wrinkle in that. We'll talk about that in a second. I am here with my co-host, Mr. Rob. Hello, well, Rob. How you doing, bud? I'm good. Everything is good. All right. Well, we we are going to get into you and and you know my uh, why I'm annoyed with you, but we'll we'll get into that in just a bit. First, we're going to talk about kicking off our new season. And to do that, we're going to explore a fascinating topic. And when I say fascinating, I mean it's because every single one of our clients are dealing with it. And, and that's how to adapt uh, from all of these different you know, uh, working environments that have been uh, uh, forced upon us uh, by or, or frankly been granted to us by way of the pandemic. We're talking about working from home, working from coffee shops, working from co-working spaces, airports, so on and so forth. And how we've also all of this has changed with the great resignation and reshuffle. So to, to cover this topic, and it's a topic that literally every single one of our clients talk about every time I go to a conference, it is a topic for discussion. We brought Lighthouse's John Bear, who's our senior consultant in digital forensics, who is dealing with this on the front lines to talk about how, you know, to bring your own device policies and remote work uh, policies up to date and, 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 and how they're impacting your data governance, right? It's, it's a fascinating topic. John is fantastic. I really think you're going to like it. Um, but before we get to that portion of the program, we're going to get to our favorite portion of the program, and that is Sightings of Radical Brilliance. And of course, as the name implies, this is the part of the show where we bring to you the latest news and noteworthy innovation and acts of sheer genius. Roberto, what do we have for the people today? Well, again, you know, in our constant attempt to try to class up the podcast, this comes from the Harvard Business Review, how AI can make strategy more human. And pretty interesting article, you know, gives three different examples of how, you know, AI is becoming just more commonplace and easy to access for companies. You know, one of those things, I, of course, I can relate to, you know, it's called forever, you know, forever beta, which is basically, you know, think of like kind of how a Tesla works. You know, you buy it, you know, there's updates that roll out after you buy it. And, you know, instead of just not getting those like you would in a traditional model, you know, sometimes you'll just get in your Tesla and you'll see that, you know, there's been a software update. You have three new features that you didn't have before. And it's pretty amazing. I remember when that first happened for you. Didn't when you didn't they put the creep mode when you the creep mode? Wasn't that wasn't that an installation software installation that came over the Wi-Fi? Yeah, it was just like awkward. Yeah. You know, you'd stop at a stop sign and nothing would happen. You know, when you let your foot off the pedal. But now, yeah, right. you, now you can choose. It's great. Really there have been like literally like hundreds since then. Um, yep. It's a great thing, and I think that you know people are learning from that and starting to add that into other products, so that you know, no matter what you buy you would still have that ability to have updates roll out, you know, um, you know, through Wi-Fi or some other connection. And uh, I'm all for it. I think it's a great idea. You know, other things that they talk about are, um, you know, one's called minimum viable idea. You know, it, it's interesting. It, it, you have like sometimes instead of having to recreate or reformulate an entire business model, you just might have smaller improvements that you want to roll into it quickly. It talks about an insurance company called Lemonade that, is really letting AI take over a lot of functions that humans typically did. So like, for example, if you file a claim, if your claim is pretty generic and there's not anything too complicated, the AI will basically just approve your claim and issue a payment right there. Other types of products and companies are, you know, of course, looking at exploring that. You know, I, I love it. I love the idea that you don't have to recreate an entire industry, just make it a little bit better and um, a little bit more uh, disconnected with humans that don't need to be there. 
Right. And then we see very forward leaning industries, right? That completely leaning into this and, and seeing that technology driven business strategies are really that those are going to be the leaders in the future. And that virtually every company is essentially a technology company if they want to scale. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you start connecting these, you know, like imagine a product that's constantly updating, you know, it's also looking for ways to, you know, eliminate, you know, humans that don't need to be there in the process. And then, you know, finally, the last one was called Colab. This is, again, just applying advanced technology to things where it didn't used to exist, you know, specifically like in drug discovery. And, you know, often when people are doing drug discovery, it's kind of a trial and error type approach. But this is harnessing, you know, data from a lot of past, you know, drug trials, looking to try to diagnose, you know, certain diseases and then find connections with either other trials that have happened or just knowing like where dead ends were, you know, so you don't have to kind of keep reinventing the wheel. Pretty, pretty awesome stuff. It's, it's awesome. And I, and, and I, I love, uh, you know, I really do. I'm, I'm very much um, interested. And I think, you know, a lot of people are interested in the fact that literally every single company, no matter how big or small your business has to become a technology company and adapt to technology. If you really want to scale and you want to improve your business in the long run. And this is, this gives you different uh, uh, sort of different ways of approaching it um, and, and, and finding the right way that's better for your company. Yep, agree. It's great. And there's one other aspect of this that I think is interesting, and it's something we talk about a lot uh, in our industry, and that's that, you know, technology is not a substitute for humans, but rather a supplement to humans. And we see that a lot in our in our space as well. What you know, whether it's whether it's a tar space, whether it's tar or uh, with linguistics or you know or, or or AI. And I think they sort of allude to it here that th- this is not something where it will be a substitute for human involvement. Uh, wholesale, but rather altogether, but ra- but rather it will be a, a supplement to, uh, to to the human process and free up humans to do more things that are more innately uh, or more uh, uh, correctly addressed by humans rather than AI. So really interesting article. Check it out. Another Harvard Business Review appearance on Law and Candor, and about as close as I will ever get to Harvard, as you all know. Um, you know, before we get into the interview with John, and I, I do think you're going to enjoy it, I wanted to share some news. This is our last episode with my friend, my colleague, my coworker for the last 16 years, Rob Hellowell. Rob has decided to move on to bigger and better things. And I mean that. I don't just mean another e-discovery. He's getting out of this industry and God bless him for it. He is doing some things that, um, frankly, uh, I could only aspire to do. I can't even spell the kind of stuff he's going to be working on. Um, you know, you'll read about it, I'm sure, on LinkedIn and some of his other profiles. I will say personally, this is a big loss for me. I've been working with Rob side by side beyond my career here at Lighthouse. Started at Applied Discovery in 2005, worked with him there for eight years, and then we moved to uh, uh, Xerox, and we were there for five years before we finally joined Lighthouse, and we moved together each and every time. This has been a a partnership uh, since day one, and I am personally going to miss him. It's a it's an emotional moment for me. I am happy to have more time to talk on this podcast and not have him interrupt me. I will miss making fun of him probably more than anything. Um, I don't, Rob, if you want to say a few words. Ah, Bill, you're killing me, man. You know, like 16 years, and finally he says a nice thing. Like, <laughs> you know, I guess it was worth the wait. But, uh, brother, the feelings, uh, you know, hundred percent mutual. Like I've, um, I've loved working with you. I've loved doing the podcast. You know, I know that we'll keep in touch, so I'm not going to say goodbye, but thank you. And, uh, wish the best for, uh, for lighthouse and for the podcast. And I, I can't end on an emotional note. So I'll just say you are paler than ever. You're translucent blue. Um, you, you are, you, you, uh, you completely, you know, just, uh, I, I have to carry you through this whole podcast and I, I've, I really never, uh, I, I can't say anything nice to your face. So let's move on. Let's get to something less emotional. And that's a conversation with John. Enjoy the pod. 
John, welcome again to Law and Candor. One thing that we love to do when you know we have guests on, you know, our industry is so um, interesting, and everybody's story about how they got into the inter- industry is interesting. Maybe could you just tell us a little bit? Is like, how did you arrive at uh, at Lighthouse and in forensics? Sure. Uh, thanks for having me. I started in this uh, field while I was in law enforcement. I spent thirty years in law enforcement. The last thirteen was dedicated to mobile forensics, primarily devices that were seized in violent crimes. And from that program, I worked with the University of Washington, which allowed us to start a lab uh, that specialized in advanced mobile forensics and a teaching curriculum that was out there, Tacoma branch. And so that partnership allowed specialized equipment to be used on devices that we normally couldn't get into. We could do advanced uh, techniques on devices that have uh, user applied security or were damaged or were uh, submerged in water. And so from that partnership, um, that allowed me to author a couple books related to the subject. And uh, about four years ago on a Friday, I retired on a Friday with the law enforcement on a Monday, went to work at Lighthouse and have become the uh, subject matter expert on the team here at Lighthouse. I just had another idea for a podcast. It's going to be all about some of the stories you had in your past life as a, a, a forensics expert uh, doing violent crimes. So we'll, we'll do that next. This We're going to cover something obviously a lot less interesting here. Uh, maybe not for our listeners, but certainly for me, because I would love to hear all those past stories. Where we are going to get into is over the last two and a half years, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of a lot of things have changed in terms of people, uh, you know, the sort of that hybrid work environment. And and with that, we have this whole, you know, bring your own device programs that are in place. And, you know, so what are the, some of the biggest changes you've seen over the last two and a half years in terms of data sources and devices? Well, I'd say the biggest things that I've seen is uh, the use of secondary user applications being applications that they are, they're installed by the end user you know, they're not right out of the box, such as your WhatsApp, your WeChat, those type of applications. And then, of course, cloud-based storage and how that impacts what we have to do, as well as the uh, storage capacity. Those those three things, I think, um, present some unique challenges for us, especially when it comes to uh, the remote options and, and what COVID's kind of restructured on how we do this. And I think... Uh, a lot of a lot of end users aren't aware how the installing of an application can also impact how that's stored in the cloud. And John, when like when you think about this, either from you know like a company perspective, you know that has employees that are you know downloading you know different apps or they're starting to store things in the cloud or at other locations. From a data government's perspective, like what challenges are you seeing people struggle with, and are there are there solutions for these? Well. I think it, it comes down to as simply as describing this as a, a, almost like a new type of data. You know, we had our forensic computers and we had servers, um, and, and now we're dealing with the data that may reside in multiple locations, and it creates a unique concept on how it's collected. So we'll have kind of a spectrum of, of what's going on with, with these programs. We'll have entities that have a great program where they, they've installed a mobile device management tool on the device. And then we'll have the opposite side of that spectrum where you have a bring your own device or a BYOD scenario. 
and there's little, if any, security placed on the handset, the mobile device. So what happens is, in both of those scenarios, you may have an, a company, an entity that that decides early on, okay, we're going to protect our data with an MDM. But what they what they don't do with this mobile device management tool is they don't forecast what needs to be done when a collection takes place. And so the MDM, without proper settings and controls, uh, Lighthouse or any other entity can't come in and perform a collection on that device without the well, you know that permission of the MDM being disabled. And in some cases, depending on the severity of how the MDM is set up, that could potentially impact the user data that's on it. And so it's, I think it has a lot to do with um, whether or not they're in between those spectrums. And, and even in a scenario where they have good, good security, um, we, we found this to be the biggest hurdle. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think even when I'm in my home office, there are times where I just when I'm walking around my, 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 off, my home office or my home, I wander out of the room and I will finish an email that I started on my computer on my phone. I will answer a Teams chat on my phone when, and then sit right down to my computer and continue the conversation on my computer. So pe- people are just, we're doing more and more work on mobile devices just because it's convenient, because it's always in your, it's attached to your hand basically all the time. So, you know, building on what you, on your last, on your last point around, you know, some of the hurdles presented from a governance and collection perspective, because more and more work's being done on the phones, um, used to be that we would, you know, we'd be on calls and the client, we'd say to the client, um, any work done on, on phones. And it was a 50, 50 shot over the last few years. It was like, uh, yeah, there might be some stuff on phones, but everything on the phones will be also here. But then, you know, now people are moving to different forms of communication. Now it could be, they're talking on WhatsApp, they, they're texting. So what are some of the specific points you're observing around, around some of the, the hurdles with, with, from a governance and collections pr- uh, perspective specifically? Yeah, great question. I, I think, I think there may be a some, somewhat of a disconnect as to what, um, you know, companies may believe as far as they'll come to they'll come to a collection point and they'll say, okay, we need all text messages. Well, to us, there's a granularity to that. What what kind of text messages are, are we talking about? Native text messages? Are we talking about a user installed application? And so that disconnect lies with actually staying on top of this moving target of what users are putting on their phones. And if they if they take a native phone out of the box, yeah, you have you know the ability to collect that at a relativity, the, the, the ability to collect that's a little more easier than let's say if it's a signal application. So there, there can be some, uh, a huge um, bridge between uh, what's actually believed to be on the phone and what is actually being used to communicate. And then the other part of that is the ability to go in and just cherry pick a bunch of threads. So you go on vacation, you talk to your family, you take pictures that are personal pictures of your vacation. And then right in the middle of that, you get a text message from work and you respond to that. And later on during a legal process, that message is subject to the discovery and we need to collect it. So it's very difficult for a forensic uh, collection point to go in there and surgically remove that one message without taking down the entire database or doing the entire backup. So that's that's, I think that's the hardest part that we have to do. It's not, there's no, there's no real entity out there as far as the forensic process goes where we can go in and, and blindly just take out one uh, message thread when it's intermixed with personal data. So we have this privacy issue that's always glaring at us. You know, how do we, 
how do we comply with the legal process and also protect what's surrounding that tree? You know, you have you have roots of personal data surrounded by the roots of the, the data that's needing to be part of the discovery. And I guess, you know, even before you get to that issue, you know, most most companies have some kind of a governance program in place. But you mentioned before an NDM, and that's like 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 a new device manager, right? Something that that is installed on the phone that lets whoever you know owns that phone or you know see any new device that's been added. If you don't have something like that on, and and I know I don't think that most companies do. From a forensic standpoint, like how do you how do you even know what's on someone's phone, and you know what is the company's responsibility to really like how deep do you have to dig to look at every app that someone's got on a phone? Well, uh, I think it comes down to uh, initially when when an entity, a company's, you know, is is faced with a legal hold, they they get in this uh, posture of trying to determine that answer. So, and it can vary. It can always be different for each scenario. You could have a scenario where um, every all the employees are are using a, a iOS devices, and they're only using what's uh, designed out of the box from the factory for communications. Then you could have another scenario where half your employees are using Androids, the other half are using iPhones, and so you have this hybrid of of, of different devices that can present these um, challenges. And you may have a great program in place that handles the security part of it. You may even have a BYOD device that's got a hybrid where they've actually put security measures on a personal phone, allows the user to use that personal phone in a work setting. But what happens is um, without the ability to clearly define what the applications are, we may not have to even go to the phone to get that data. For instance, some of the applications require a two-factor handshake through the cloud, and we'll use tools that actually connect to that application database in the cloud, not the actual phone, authenticate back to the user, they supply the credentials, and we download the applications. And then this moving target of these constant new phones that come out, you know, iPhone 13 does all these wonderful things, and then you, on, you, you layer that with the OS that has even more security settings. and Without the actual knowledge from the end user, they may uh, inadvertently enable or disable a setting in the phone that has a huge bearing on how long that data is residing on the phone. That that particular last part is a is a constant evolving situation we have to face. Uh, I, I'm not certain if you've been aware with the latest versions of all these operating systems, but they always come out with the latest and greatest features, which don't always coincide with the program that's in place with the company. It can it can severely impact it. It can even uh, prevent us from uh, complying with getting the data off the phone. And so that's that's kind of a a multifaceted answer to your question. You know, it's interesting. We have clients that are dealing with this, and and sometimes they need to refresh their governance program. Sometimes they need to just build a new one from scratch because it's so outdated. Or sometimes they even they don't have one. I believe, believe it or not, There's some sophisticated companies they just don't have one, especially as they relate to some of these new devices. So, do you have any advice for for clients that might be listening, or to create a more proactive program to get ahead of some of these data challenges we've been discussing? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is just recognizing, you know. Uh, recognizing the issue that understanding that this is going to be a problem and, and how you approach the problem 
you know, in a preventative manner certainly can help with the unknown because there's going to be an unknown. There's going to be a new application that comes out after we have this conversation that we didn't even think of. And so it's a combination of, you know, talking with your legal in-house people, talking with your IT personnel. That is a huge, um, you know, as far as advice goes, talking with IT and understanding what happens with that MDM and how it's going to impact a potential collection in the future. And then staying on top of what your, your customer or your, uh, your custodians are using for applications. And this is, this can be quite difficult if you're not aware of what they're downloading. Um, we've had, we've had past uh, customers that have talked about, they put out a survey every two or three months that just basically ask um, what applications are you using to communicate with about company uh, matters. And in most cases, they're on top of this because they understand, okay, most of our 90% of our customers or our clients or our custodians are using WhatsApp, for instance. And then having the ability to understand that last point I brought up, which was when a new version of an operating system comes out or a new model phone comes out, how does that impact our program and how is it going to impact potential collection issues? Those three things, I think understanding those three things and staying on top of them. Um, I, I certainly understand it's a challenging thing to do, but, but just recognizing that this can be a problem and having a game plan. Uh, the game plan is the biggest issue here. And for, you know, for a comprehensive governance program, there's got to be a lot of different people that are communicating, but for, for legal and IT specifically, what, like what's one big takeaway that you would, um, one piece of advice that you would give to them? Um, I think it's the balance of privacy and, and, and having to collect. So, so what happens is, um, this balance of privacy, sometimes legal needs to understand that, you know, the objective of making certain that, that we can comply with the demand of, of, of what's needed for the, the legal process, and we can also balance that scale on the other side of it with protecting the the rights of the the, the customer or the consumer that's using the device. So, I think I think there has to be um, an ongoing conversation when it comes to IT and legal having that conversation. John, this has been a fascinating podcast, and and, and Bill and I really relate. You know, we've both looked you know, custodians in the eye and told them that we're about to collect all the data on their telephone, you know, on their mobile phone. And that look of horror, you know, that comes across. I think this is great, you know, great points for people to think about. I also completely agree with Bill that we need to do a round two craziest stories from 30 years in law enforcement. <laughs> that would we, we could do a whole series on that one. And I, I love the takeaway just because we, you know, we see this disconnect a lot between not just legal and IT, but you know, the company in general of having, you know, a periodic survey where employees are asked, you know, what devices are they using or, or what platforms are they using to communicate with each other and how that kind of shifts over time. I think that's a, that's a great, great idea. Thanks again for being on the podcast. This is, this has been awesome. Sure. Yeah, John, it, it's been great. Really, really appreciate it. I love these pods where I learned something. So really yeah, appreciate thanks. you coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. All right, party people, if you like what you're hearing on Law & Candor, I am coming to you once again to tell you to subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, hit that like button, share it with all your friends, listen 10 times. I don't know if we track that. Do whatever you need to do. Uh, we, we have some good content here. We enjoy doing the show. We want to keep doing it. Really appreciate it, everybody. 